0: Welcome to the Immerse Podcast, where we look at God's Word to see why it matters for us today.
1: Welcome back to the Immerse Podcast. My name is Keith, and I'm joined by James. How's it going today, James?
0: Doing well, thanks, Keith. How about you? I'm doing great. Um, Different time of day, different room for us to record in.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting, people that are listening don't know this, but we actually change our uh, venue quite a bit. We've gone from room to room yeah, to room. Yeah, I've had a couple. We've had a couple. And we
0: started in the closet. <laughs> yeah, we started in
1: the closet. <laughs> we were literally, just in case that you're concerned about us, we were literally recording in a closet. So
0: mm, In the laundry closet, we should a, say. In a
1: laundry closet. Yeah. We were trying to find the best location to have the best sound. So if you're listening today and you say, man, this episode is the pits, let us know. Send us a comment. We will not sit in here again. We will not sit in here again. We will definitely change. It'd be nice our... if we can go
0: outside. Yeah,
1: that would be great. It's you
0: that told me outside's best.
1: Yeah, outside is great. Yeah. Less echo. But um, anyway, today we are in the book of Revelation, obviously, because this is the Immerse podcast in the book of Revelation. And today we are going to look at uh, the longest letter in the series of seven letters, and that is to the church of Thyatira. So I'm going to go ahead and read that, James, and if you have some comments, that would be great. So Revelation 2.18 to 29, I'm going to go ahead and read it. Revelation 2.18, And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, The words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet are like burnished bronze, I know your works, your love, your faith, and service, and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first, but I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality, and to eat food sacrificed to idols." But to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold to this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on to you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron." And when earthen pots are broken into pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my father and I will give him the morning star He who has an ear to hear let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches Wow,
0: that was long. That was a long passage
1: very long. I thought I was gonna be reading for an hour
0: Yeah, maybe people have switched off now. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, it's it's a great section of text. As long uh,
0: compared to uh, Pergamum,
1: but it is it is a powerful power. There's so much in this to mm. talk about. James, man, this is a powerful message.
0: So I read that the church at Thyatira was the smallest and in the least important city of the day uh, of the seven that were written to in this part of Revelation. Um, it was a city of business and trade, and At the time, there was no documented persecution of the Christians there. So, right off the bat, in theory, they've not got it too difficult. They're not being persecuted for living out this new way of uh, this new faith, this new way of looking at the world. And they're doing some things well. You know, we read stuff like, um, I know your works, your love, and faith, and service, and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. So they were loving, faithful, they were doing stuff, they were enduring, and probably the best thing that's written about them is the last, that their latter works exceeded their first. So basically, they're progressing down that, um, down that discipleship path that we're all on, that walk with Jesus. And there's one other thing. Oh, that it's mentioned in Acts chapter 16, is it Lydia. Lydia, famous. Lydia, purple cloth Lydia, Yeah, was from Thyatira. Wow, so on paper doesn't sound like a bad place to begin with.
1: Although the majority of this block of text has a pretty harsh judgment towards these people in Thyatira.
0: Mm, Yeah, it starts off well, but um, yeah, like you said, it's it's from 20
1: to 29, it's
0: pretty strong. (laughs) Yeah, the first couple of verses are all right.
1: Yeah, James, I found uh, in studying about this that uh, I was thinking, man, what is the deal in this church that they're said that they have love, faith, service, patient, endurance? What's going on here? Mm. How could somebody that has that description have such a long, like nine verses dedicated to a pretty harsh word against them? And uh, what Jesus says, the deep things of Satan, what is that? Because
0: mm, there's detail It's not just... <clears throat> was it last time or the time before it's just you know you're into idol worship stop it right this is kind of this is very descriptive yeah
1: yeah. so I began to do a little research and uh, I've got a little block of text to just kind of go through here from a bible dictionary Um, I love to look at bible dictionaries to kind of see what's going on because apparently in Thyatira there was something called a trade guild and I thought a trade guild what is that
0: is that not an American term No trade guild.
1: I guess we have guilds. It's it's kind of an older term. I don't know that it's used in pop culture as much these days. We have trade unions. We have all types of uh, meetings of employees to better their work environment or what have you. But trade guild, I think is, is that not a British term as well?
0: Uh, yeah, I think so. Like I, I know what it means.
1: Maybe but I mean maybe, I know what it yeah, means, yeah. but I just thought like, what does that mean in context to this? How do we go from trade guilds to deep things of Satan? Right? I mean, what's the con- <laughs> <laughs> what's the connection here? So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. this is this is what I read in a Bible dictionary, which I think is is a very revealing of the situation. Thyatira was specifically noted for the trade guilds, which were probably more completely organized than any other ancient city. Every artisan belonged to a guild, and every guild, which was an incorporated organization, possessed property in its own name and made contracts for new constructions and wielded a wide influence. Powerful among them was the guild of coppersmiths. Another was the guild of dyers. You know, you're talking about Lydia with the purple cloth. So there were these trade guilds with these people in it. Um, So the difficulty was, is that a lot of these guilds were closely connected with the as Asiatic religion of the place pagan feast uh, immoral practices were associated were held and so it, I can just imagine myself I'm living in ancient Thyatira and I have a certain level of business and I want to increase my income for my family so therefore I reach out and try to have influence in the different trade guilds and the circles but what it seems like was happening in this church is that they were going a bit too far they went from tolerating to accepting. And so I think that's that's kind of my understanding, James. I don't know if you have a different understanding, but that's my understanding of what was going on here. You got a group of people that said, hey, we want to associate with these trade guilds and better our products or services for our business. But they went too far because now they're turning their backs on Christ and accepting false teaching, false religion, false and participating in sinful practices.
0: Mm, It's kind of sad, isn't it, that people feel like, it's probably true for a lot of people now as well, you know, you feel like you've, oh, it's a work thing. I've got to do it. I've got to do it because it's a work thing. or I've got to go there, a place where I wouldn't normally go because it's a work thing. Or I'm going to do this because it's a work thing. And people feel like they need to get involved in stuff to to further their work, um, they feel compelled to attend to further their work lives and ultimately then the church suffers. And I think like you said, it probably doesn't go from zero to a hundred where you go to this thing one time and you're sexually immoral and you're doing you know, idol worshiping stuff. But, it's like a lot of things, and it It builds slowly. So you go because you feel like you need to for work. You're not really comfortable going there, but you feel like, I should because it's a work thing. And then over time, it just becomes very normal for you.
1: Well, I think, James, I, I really sometimes I try to put myself in the mind of how would they think. And so I think if you're working for a company or you're an employee and you're drawing a salary, So you could go where you don't have to go. That's one level. Perhaps even your manager says, hey, you know, James, you've got to go to this event. And you say, well, I'd really rather not. Okay, no problem. Okay, that's one level. It's a whole other level when your livelihood depends on networking. So if you're, you know, uh, a dyer of cloth, if you're a seller and you've got to move around and get people to buy your stuff and maybe you've got a bad streak, you know, you can either believe that Christ is going to provide for your needs which is one of the big reasons I think people sometimes don't give to the church. They don't give as Christ had given to them, according to Second Corinthians, because they're afraid. Maybe they they don't really have that trust and belief that Christ is going to see them through. So these people, perhaps that started with that disbelief that Christ will supply for their needs. So I've got to go out and network mm. with these other people. And eventually I start with the fact that Christ is not sufficient. I need other stuff. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to participate in these other things. And then before you know it, they're being sexually immoral or Mm -hmm. doing the other stuff, ultimately turning their back on Christ. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think that's what I was trying to say. It's a bit of a process that starts with, oh, I should just do a little bit. I'll, I'll try and take care of me and mine, not relying wholly on God's provision for you. And then like you said, the church suffers. And maybe it's just one or two or three people in a church but it's that thing that we were talking about before about a little leaven leavens the whole lump or it's the same thing of you know if I poured you a glass of water and it was 99% water and 1% poison like you just wouldn't drink it would you? Yeah. I think all throughout the Bible we talked about it last week at, at church with the minor prophets that were called to be doctrinally pure and, like, fundamentally Jesus-focused and not have, you know, generally we do Christian things and generally we stick to what's right, but there's just a few things here and there that are not right. But, you know, for the most part, we're we're pretty Christian. I think all throughout the Bible, it's you you know, it's all in, so to speak. There's not a, you know, a 95% Christian, but then, you know, one day a week we let ourselves... You know, whatever it might be. But, yeah, the church suffers. And then we get this person, the Jezebel, that we were talking about before as well. So uh,
1: I think that just an initial point that I would throw out there, James, as I was thinking through this, is that we live in a day where lots and lots of people in our churches around the world don't know what they believe. And I think just a basic, basic thing is, how do you come to know Jesus? How do you get to heaven? Like basic questions like that, there's these trainings on those, but it's, it's all contained in God's word, but it takes a discipline to read and study God's word and to allow it to change your life. Mm. And we just live in a day and age where I believe that it's frightening that people don't read their Bible. They don't study God's word. Um, and you know, I'm not trying to compare our day and age versus another one. I just know that the average person that I talk to in the church today, you need to ask them basic questions about their faith and they really don't have an answer. And so when you're, in the workplace or you're in the world and you don't have those basic answers, I believe that's a place where Satan can begin to sow seeds of doubt in your mind and go, Hey, you don't know this. So therefore it must not be true anyway. Hmm. And so I would say, you know, one of the first things, and I don't know if this is the case with these people, but man, we really have to know what we believe. And I know that James, you do a great job of promoting the Bible to the church where you pastor, because you're doing a, a midweek podcast, uh, going through teaching. Uh, you're doing all sorts of different types of teaching to get people to understand the whole breadth of God's word versus just, hey, we're going to stay in the book of John all the time. There's, <laughs> there's some pastors who park in one book, and maybe what they're saying is great, but they're not really demonstrating, you know, all scripture is profitable. Like Second Corinthians, uh, sorry, Second Timothy three sixteen and 17 says... So the first point I would say is, man, we really have to know our Bible. Mm. We have to know God's Word.
0: Yeah, I was listening to a different podcast earlier this week, and it said that the previous generation, sort of like our parents, were just told things in church, and they believed that. Whereas now, people kind of want a reason why. But then, like you just said, they're not so quick to want to go out and find it so they'll hear something that faith in Jesus saves you and whereas our parents' generation would have taken that and that was a done deal now people want to know why or how but they maybe don't have the discipline of a previous generation who would sit and study and read about it I guess now people would fire up YouTube and and stuff and it's just I don't want to go on a, on a don't want to go off on a, a tangent too much but you think it's anybody can sign up for a YouTube channel, and anybody can stand there and say, "This is what this is how it works. This is what happens." Whereas I think if you go back fifty years, right, nobody would have published knowingly a book of heretical teachings, would they? Whereas now, you know, you and me could fire up a YouTube channel
1: and say whatever we want. And say what we want, yeah. Well, James, that br- brings me back to the main point that I always like to say, and that is. When I go to the hospital and I need a serious uh, procedure, I'm not just going to have whatever doctor that fired up a YouTube YouTube channel and they're operating on me. (laughs) I'm going to ask for somebody who's actually studied and demonstrated a history. However, for some reason, when it comes to matters of faith, people don't want to look at the facts anymore. People want to watch some pop culture thing. And that is why uh, there, there was recently a worship leader who uh, unfortunately a Hillsong worship leader who's written many, Famous songs, and and the name slips my mind. But he, you know, Mm. kind of on Instagram said, "I denounce my faith." Well, you know, there's a lot of young people probably that are very heavily influenced by that decision and maybe re-examining their own faith. However, this is not a theologian who said that he studied all the evidence. This is somebody who has a feeling, and so I believe that there's a, a word to be said today about. Listening to people and studying under people who have actually had the discipline to study God's Word and then molding your belief system after somebody who has spent time and studied and you know like you're teaching through the various parts of the Bible that's great because it's forcing you to learn from other people as well as pass that on and that's the process it's not hey today I feel this way tomorrow I feel that way and my feelings are driving everything I do mm. it's actual knowledge and facts because we serve a God who's laid all sorts of facts out in this book mm-hmm. It's it fascinates me every time in this podcast when we discover one part of the Bible backs up at yeah, it. here we've got Lydia today yeah, yeah. we're reading Li- Revelation and we've got Lydia who's mentioned from Thyatira in Acts 16 So there's a verification right there. There's Mm -hmm. all sorts of things like that. Yeah, if
0: you were trying to write a book as big and as wide as the Bible, if you were trying to do it as like a hoax to convince people of something and you were trying to think, right, what I'll do is I'll make the first book and the last book like bookends to be perfect and I'll try and link every book to every other book like nobody's that Nobody's that clever, are they? Like you said, we're reading about Thyatira and it's a trade guild. It's a city of trade. And then in another book, written by another person in another time, one was Acts written. A little bit before Revelation. Right. But, you know, different person, different place, different time. But the details line up. And I can't remember what I was reading. It was Haggai. Reading and studying Haggai to preach it tomorrow. And... It all lines up. We can date Haggai because of the non-Christian, non-Jewish kind of secular kings at the time, Darius. Hmm. And Haggai takes place in the second year of Darius, and that was 520 BC. So the Bible's not a history book, but the Bible matches secular history books. So these are real people in real places and real Times. I think like you said the more you talk about it the more you see that the Bible teaches the Bible and there's so many links between and like you kind of referenced we've been going through minor prophets so we're teaching a section of the Bible that's often overlooked and you just see that it's referenced so many times and it all points to some element of Jesus' character and when he was coming what he was going to do all this kind of stuff it all points to Jesus but the, the cross-referencing is just, yeah, it's great.
1: You know, it reminds me, James, of when you surf the Internet, uh, these websites drop cookies on your computer. So that when you go there a second yeah, so time, it children. remembers who you are. So it's authenticating. There's all sorts of authenticating that's happening inside just a quick session on your computer. And mm. in the same way I feel like the Bible has cookies or authentications all throughout it, and people that doubt just haven't had a chance wow. to review that
0: cookies for Christ. Yeah. <laughs> That's Whoa. We should get some t-shirts. I'm gonna write a book or called a Cookies mug. for Christ. Cookies for Christ with
1: a big chocolate chip cookie half eaten on the front, yeah, yeah. sort of some like the apple tailing off the page. Right.
0: <gasps> cookies for Christ. How the Bible teaches the Bible.
1: I think we just have a great idea for a great sermon yeah. for you, James. Cookies, cookies for
0: Christ. Cookies for Christ. Oh my gosh. Next summer, cookies for Christ.
1: So, James, um, what would you say to somebody who says uh, in this book, hey, I thought Jesus was love. You know, why is there this harsh words? I mean, you know, we start with verse 23, uh, sorry, 22. I will throw her onto a sick bed and those who commit adultery into great tribulation strike her children dead. I mean, why this heavy yeah, language? Man, that's
0: kind of tough. I think. Again, you you know you would never read a novel or a newspaper or a magazine, or you'd never watch a movie or listen to a song from the middle onwards. And people often pick out verses in the Bible, and like the verses, chapters, and verses were added what, hundreds of years after the text. So if you if you pick out, let me just scroll back. If you pick out what we would look at. Verse 23, Revelation 2:23, "And I will strike her children dead." You know, you, you read that and you think, "Whoa, God is not love. Jesus is not a nice guy. I will strike her children dead." But if you back up all the way to verse 20, where this self-styled prophetess, you know, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess you read the the context for it and there's this woman Jezebel maybe that's her name maybe it's not maybe it's it's representative of her character and that goes back to 1st uh, and 2nd Kings So we've got this woman Jezebel who's calling herself a prophetess so saying that she speaks on behalf of God and she's teaching and seducing God's people to be sexually immoral and do wrong things idol worship sexual immorality and then verse 21 i gave her time to repent but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality and then you see the judgment and like i think we were talking about it earlier that god is so just and holy and right and pure that he must act against sin but because he's so loving and merciful and desires that none may perish there's always a a chance there's always an opportunity i gave her time to repent but she refuses and it's that thing of well you can warn somebody so many times that you need to change your behavior or this is coming. And then if you never get to the this is coming, it's like with children. If you never actually come through on what you're going to say, they're just going to stop believing you. Right. Right. And, and there, if, there
1: has if, to be a consequence.
0: Yeah, otherwise you're you're essentially lying, well, aren't you?
1: Would we live? Would we live in an anarchist culture where there's no consequence? I mean, if somebody wants to come rip off your house or they want to do something, it's it's the, really the postmodern argument. If everything is relative to you, then why can't I just take your wallet out of your back pocket? I mean, the thing is, there has to be a consequence. There has to be for perfect love. There has to be some sort of judgment for disobeying or doing something wrong. And so here there's a clear indication all throughout the the history of scripture that we are to love the Lord, our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. So placing something else before Mm -hmm. him, beginning with a sexual sin, but ultimately saying Jesus is not Lord or God is not sufficient. I need more. What you're really saying is God is not really God, and that's probably to me the biggest violation in Scripture is a disbelief in God, and and this right here is ultimately what these people are doing, and I believe, from my understanding, that's why it ultimately would be the deep things of Satan.
0: Mm, yeah, don't want to open up a, a trap door to the world's biggest tangent, but
1: I did it. Did I do it? No, I'm about to.
0: Oh, okay. People talk about the unforgivable sin. Right. And I think my understanding is that it's kind of what you just said, that if you actively and purposefully reject God, if you you know actively and consciously and on purpose reject who Jesus is, what he did, the things that he said, the life that he lived, what he offers in terms of salvation and eternal life, then that's the unforgivable sin.
1: I would agree, James. I would say that what saves you damns you, and that is belief. It's either belief or unbelief. So mm. Jesus came, lived on the earth, uh, you know, lived the life, uh, died for our sins, bore our sins on the cross, and paid the price for our sins. So if we say, no, that's not how I have a great life. That's not how I get to heaven. That's not how I have the spirit live through me. I reject that. You know, I've, I've shared that message with many people in my life and many have rejected it. So therefore, if they die rejecting that to me, that would be the unforgivable sin because it's an yeah, unbelief
0: chosen to say no to it. And I think right. the Bible phrases it as, you know, you blaspheme the Holy spirit. Right. And then you fold into that. Well, what's the Holy spirit's mission? What's his work? And is the Holy spirit glorifies and, Points people to Jesus. So if you if you if you were to want to really upset me, you would go after those people who are closest to me. Right. So to blaspheme the Holy Spirit is to reject his work, which is to glorify Jesus, who right. takes people to God the Father. So it's this wonderful cycle of the Godhead in action, but
1: but I think the yeah. main message here is is that as believers in Jesus, we believe it. We have to share the message, and we have to pray for those who don't believe it. I know that probably people listening to this podcast, probably just like me, have family members or people they know in their circle that don't believe in Christ, yeah. don't believe that he lived be surprised and died if, for our sins. I'd be surprised
0: if nobody. would no, be surprised if anybody didn't know somebody like that, Right? Yeah. unless they're in heaven now yeah then you can yeah and then folding it back into this is looking out for for jezebels right as, as such it's not a nice not a nice name is it if somebody called my wife a jezebel or your wife a jezebel wouldn't then be too happy with that <laughs> it's not a nice some names of right. just negative connotations down right there. judas
1: I was just thinking in my mind: Were there any <laughs> films done in the past so many years where Jezebel was a bad person? I can't think off. Th- I'm not a good film buff. It's just
0: not a nice thing, is it? If you call somebody yeah. a Jezebel, it means you're, you know, a bit sexually immoral. Oh, she's right. a
1: Jezebel. Oh, oh, is that really what you is that, would not think? A, is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, I guess I haven't really thought about it. Oh, you Jezebel! Oh, she's, she's a that Jezebel. That one.
0: Oh yeah. Like if I called you a Judas, you'd think, right, oh, right. he's a traitor. Judas, right, right. Yeah.
1: That's good. So obviously we have a group of people that started in the trade guilds, they uh kind of got led astray by allowing themselves to compromise. So James, as I'm looking towards the end of the podcast here, I'm thinking that a big message to me in this is that I need to be careful to number 1 know what I believe. I think we talked about that with studying mm-hmm. your Bible. Number 2, not compromising that belief. So there's a difference between tolerating and acceptance. So we can tolerate those who are in the culture. And uh, just reading a definition of tolerate is to refrain from interfering with or prohibiting. So I don't want to prohibit something. I don't want to actively, you know, kind of chop people down because they believe something differently. However, I don't have to accept what they believe. Mm -hmm. And that's the critical thing in our day and age with so many different belief systems out there. Uh, we need to be careful as believers in Jesus not to accept something that's ultimately going to cause us to deny who Jesus is.
0: Yeah, I think you can be open-minded and tolerant of other people, but open-minded doesn't mean empty-headed, does it? That's good. You can be open enough to accept, all right, you've got a different way of looking at the world, but it's not my job to force you to change it. We're not going to pick up swords and go crusading. Like people did a thousand years ago, which is not—you can't imagine Jesus crusading through the world right. to convince people. There's a there's a point, and we'll get to it, won't we? In Revelation, where he comes back, and he's depicted as on a, on a on a horse with a sword. But that's that's in in judgment. That's not Jesus is back to medieval crusade you into faith. That's not how Christianity moved and spread.
1: Right. It's, it's the, you know, it's interesting, uh, James, that so many stories of people dramatically coming to know Jesus all over the world, a, a key theme in all of that is love shared by other Christians mm. and seeing, you know, like when the tsunami happened in the early two thousands, uh, I heard a comment one time that it was the Christians who stayed the longest, you know, all the other religions or governments would come in and offer help. But I believe still today, there's some example of Christianity who came there during that time for aid and stayed because they love the people and they want to help educate their children or provide medical relief or whatever. Um, it's it's interesting that the love of Christ spreads Christianity, not the sword.
0: Yep. I was just thinking yesterday I was sat talking to a hospital chaplain who works for a hospital that was established at the end of of the 19th century because people wanted to help those less fortunate and less able than themselves 120 years ago wow and that's that was a Christian thing like the love of Christ compels you to go out and do and help and serve and both our children were born at this hospital wow you know, 100 and 120 years later
1: you know, I I always try to remind myself that it's not about me, it's about them. It's not about us as the church, it's about them. So we exist to love others. Mm-hmm. Um, like yeah, Jesus said, love your, love your neighbor yeah, yeah. as yourself, yeah. So that's great. So uh, James, any other uh, kind
0: of takeaways that you had from this? Just the Jezebel thing, and I think it's it's applicable to everybody because we can't pretend that we live in some perfect society where there are no Jezebels. There's nobody trying to lead us into sin. So I would suggest that this message to Thyatira is for people who are like Jezebel let just be careful not to call people a Jezebel but if you are leading others into sin you need to read this and see how it ends for you as the Jezebel-like character if you are following the teachings of a Jezebel somebody who says we do a little bit of Christian stuff and a little bit of other stuff then this, again again you see how it ended what Jesus says to the church of Thyatira and then, like we said about Tolerance and acceptance. If you're permitting a Jezebel hmm. to influence you, maybe you're not following their teaching. But right. They're there, and you've gone one stage past tolerating. You you kind of start accepting. Be, it's tickling your ears a bit, so you're listening to it a little bit. But that's fine because you know I don't. I'm strong enough to to not be influenced by it. Well, the easy thing to do is just not let it into your life. Right. In the first place. And again, you read what Jesus says to the church in Thyatira. And it also applies to the faithful as a bit of an encouragement to to hold fast, to keep going, to to stick with the the pure nutrition, I guess, the the pure diet of the Word of God. And we, like you said, you don't need to supplement with. Oh, I'll just do a bit to add to it, and I'll take care of this, and I'll leave that to, to God. And yeah, so there's something for everybody. That's but, good. Yeah.
1: Well, James, uh, I'm very happy because I've gone through the entire podcast today without saying Thyatira, and I've stuck with Thyatira. So that proves that everyone can learn.
0: I think it's one of those, if you say it with enough conviction, I've said this from the pulpit, if you say it with enough conviction, people just (laughs) believe that that is how you say it. Like a couple of weeks ago, we were in Habakkuk. Yeah. And I've heard people say Habakkuk. Habakkuk, yeah. That's funny. But tomorrow we're in Haggai. Right. And some people have said Haggia. Yeah, And that's just, there's, you know, you just can't change the letters around. <laughs> right. You can't can create your own language. You can pronounce things differently. But, you know, you can't just <laughs> right. make different words. So, we were saying, Keith, that this is now episode number eight. And if people have stuck with us now, we're obviously not doing the worst job in the world. Wow. And we can actually now start to ask something of our wives plus whoever else is listening. <laughs> and I think we said that we would love... People listening to share this episode, if they've enjoyed it, as a way to spread the word about our small niche podcast.
1: Yeah, I think the our heart and our prayer, James, and I believe that we would both echo this, is that we want the conversation about the Word of God to continue. And if we can be a part of that, we would love to start that and get that going. And we would love as many people as can listen to the podcast, discuss Revelation, and not be afraid of going deeper.
0: Yep, absolutely. I think uh is it is it one of the Samuels? I think it's maybe First Samuel where w- the principle is clearly shown that if you are doing the work or if you are sharing in the work uh God is essentially pleased and the blessings come because of the work itself. And that's not you and me trying to self-promote because we're not here to, to make you and me look cool because we're not magicians. We can't really make uncool stuff look cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think when, you, when we're talking about this life-changing, life-saving message, then right. yeah, we can it's gotta be with a clear conscience ask right. people, like, yeah, share this because right. we're talking about the Bible, which leads right. people to Jesus. And, you know, you'll see them in heaven. and they can, they can thank you then.
1: And next time we are going to talk about the church in Sardis. Is that the way you would say it, Sardis? S a r d i s. Is that where we are next week?
0: To the church in Sardis. Yeah, say Sardis. You're making me doubt now. <laughs> I'm oh. doubting
1: everything I'm saying because how I'm with James. You, how
0: else could you say it? No, Sardis is good. Maybe people won't share this episode if we're going to clown around and pretend yeah. not to <laughs> you know. speak properly.
1: But James, it's been a great episode. Yes. Looking forward to seeing you next
0: Thank time. Thank you. You too. Doodles. <laughs>